Hello, and welcome to another episode of All Them Witches. I'm your host, Marcus, and I'm here to chat about horror movies. So, this week is a rather unexpected episode. Um, a lot of the times I watch movies I don't intend to cover, and sometimes they stand out and I want to cover them anyway. But that's a problem because I didn't take notes. <laughs> so, uh, this is off-the-cuff, no-notes episode featuring the movie Rush Week from 1989. And um, before I get into it, I'm just going to kind of go over some other things I watched since our last episode, The Fear. So, same week, or same day as The Fear, I watched Puberty Blues. Don't know if I mentioned that before. That's an Australian coming-of-age film. Not terrible. I prefer Little Darlings for my, like, young woman coming-of-age movies. I don't know. Uh, I watched Come and See, the classic film, of course, because um, I was in the mood to, like, finally watch it. Fortunately, I don't think I was in the right mood or mindset. It really didn't work for me, unfortunately. Um, well, no, it did. I gave it three and a half stars. So I'd say it did work for me. I just don't remember it. That's sad. I just kind of... I, I often forget movies after I watch them. But I would have hoped I'd remember a little bit more about something I enjoyed. I rewatched Yentl again um, with a friend because I wanted to show it to her. Let's see, I watched Bad Girls Go to Hell, which I considered doing an episode on, but ended up not because I was like, I really don't have enough to say about this movie. Checked out Death Promise from Vinegar Syndrome, which was okay. I wanted to watch it because both on the cover art and the back, there's like rats. There's depictions of rats. And I was like, is this a rat movie? It turns out it's not really a rat movie. There's just one death that has to do with rats. So, and I guess it's iconic. So that's why it's featured so heavily in the artwork. But I wouldn't say that's the main thing of the story at all. Then I watched randomly Sailor Moon R, the movie, with an anime club. So that's why I watched it. I probably wouldn't have otherwise. I watched Mother's Day on the um, last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs. I've seen this film before, but been a while. I think it was like, I checked like 11 years since I'd last seen it. Uh, I thought it was actually pretty high quality film in its lowbrow sensibilities, if that makes any sense. Uh, pretty harsh in certain points. There is a very disturbing rape that's depicted on screen. So I think a lot of people definitely would need to, you know, consider looking up some guides about this movie before watching it. Because it's, you know, it's a trauma flick. It's going to be kind of messy in multiple ways. Also quite gory. Um, but I did like it. And I rewatched Audition again related to Joe Bob Briggs' show. I uh, haven't seen this one again since high school, probably. And I liked it more this time, I would say. Like, I don't know if there was something about age where Audition I didn't really understand or something. But... I liked it more this time for sure. I definitely think it was a very memorable movie. Either way. Let's see, then I watched Class of 1984, another Joe Bob Briggs thing. Humorous film, but I wasn't all that, you know, amazed by it. Just kind of fun. A nice little time waster. Uh, then I watched The Old Dark House on Criterion Channel because that is expired or going away at the end of the month. And um, I had heard that this was like a film with queer elements and uh yes there are some queer elements i would say 
I wasn't sure how to expect them, but I did, I did like it. Um, I thought it, the only thing that was weird was I wasn't quite picking up on all the humorous elements. There's supposed, you know, it's like a, listed as a comedy horror film. So I was like, hmm, I think it's because they don't really make a note of the things that are supposed to be funny. It's just kind of like people are just speaking and there's no stop and stare or laugh track or, well, obviously not a laugh track, but there's not like a moment of like recognition of the joke. So you can definitely miss some. There was one joke that was like really good though. Like I was shocked. I was like, this is the thirties. Like, what is this joke? Oh my gosh. This is like now joke. Anyway, I thought it was all right. And then of course I watched Rush Week. So pretty packed a week of movies. Just fine by me. I love it. So let's get into Rush Week and why I did not actually take notes on it. Fraternities, sororities tend to accentuate the very worst, the most degrading influences. The BBB house is a perfect example. Their lifestyle is degenerate. Their fright night ceremony mocks the sanctity of death. I watch a lot of movies, obviously, as you can see here. I do not take notes on all of them. I only take notes on horror movies, potentially for, you know, doing this show. And even then, I only do it if I feel like the movie is going to be in some way notable. It's just kind of a challenge to presume I expected nothing from Rush Week. That's why I watch it. I'm like, I just want some nonsense to throw on type movie. But I ended up enjoying it. Not to say that it's a good movie, but I enjoyed it for sure. So Rush Week, as the name might imply, is a movie that takes like place with, you know, focus on college students and these and this group and that they are in the midst of Rush Week, which is something for what? Something that sororities and fraternities do to get their new folks like inducted, I guess. I don't know. I was uh, never in one of those things, so I'm not really sure. I've only seen this stuff on the shows. But anyway, the basic thing is that, yes, there is a, we're focusing on this journalist student in college who is like, she's got to, she's got to cover Rush Week. She doesn't want to. She wants like a big scoop. And she may have had one just fall into her lap because 
there seems to be suddenly there's disappearances of these college students of um, young women and she's like hmm you know I smell something with my journalistic senses here you know I think this is more than just students like running away or something like that so she of course decides to investigate but since she was covering this whole rush week stuff she gets caught up with these people who are in the fraternities including this um guy in the who like leads this one fraternity and his name is jeff and this fraternity is like the quote crazy one it's the one that makes all fraternities look bad because they're always pulling pranks and they're very extreme pranks and blah 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 so she gets entangled with him and he she reads him perfectly up you know up front she's like you are just a walking ego you know but yet she seems to have an interest in him because he is just so smooth and i'm like okay he is very handsome and he seems sweet but you know a guy like this is gonna be trouble Either way, that's how things start out. You know, you've got this potential romance and this mystery of disappearing women on college campuses, in this specific campus anyway. So very early on, the film is constantly framing Jeff as the killer. Oh, well, you do see a kill happen, which is someone who's wearing like this big robe and they have like a mask that's all wrinkly on. And they have this axe weapon that kills someone. You see that pretty early on. So you know there's killings happening. And the movie is very quick to try to paint Jeff as the killer. It's so obvious and transparent that it's like, okay, this is the most obvious red herring I've ever seen. <laughs> because often it's like Jeff is like, I need to go excuse myself. And then the killings happen. Like, yes, this is very obvious, but it's... Also clear that he's not going to be the killer. I mean, he could be, but that'd be very lazy. So you're like, okay, it's not him, probably, uh, most likely. But you're like, well, then who is it? Sometimes the movie also focuses on this guy who's like a chef who's staring at the women weirdly. And it's like, is it him? No, he has nothing to do with anything. But we do find out he does have something to do with something, at least. Which is that this man, this chef guy who's bearded, has been taking pictures of the women, like at school but like he's paying them for it so it's not like you know secret pictures he's just paying them to model um you know in nude or near nude so he's doing that on the side and no one knows about this but it appears that all the women who have been you know as part of this photo thing are the ones who end up missing you're like okay so what does that mean really and story progresses there's a lot with the romance between the protagonist tony which is a journalist lady and jeff the guy the uh fraternity guy you know they seem to they fall for each other clearly um she isn't sure you know she's to suspect him or what because at some point he sends her messages on her computer because he's in like what is it he's in computer science so he can do that he sends her a poem but then later she gets threatening letters on her computer. She's like, is it still you? But he's like, no, I wouldn't do that. But you've got to wonder, okay, then who can do that? Aside from him, you know, there's other students in computer science, I guess. But anyway, aside from all of this, there's another character, the principal, 
whose it appears last year his daughter was killed so you're like okay he already suffered a loss and because of that initial reveal I put him out of mind as being the killer because I'm like he's his daughter died how could he have anything to do with this but I realized later yes he is related he is you find out he is the killer the principal that is and he kind of gives his hand away when he starts being really creepy about morals of youth. Um, but yes, apparently his modus operandi is that he hates immoral behavior in young women. And um, these women who have been going in and getting their photos taken for money, that's totally immoral. And so he has to cleanse them by killing them. Of course, of course, of course. Where have we heard this before? <laughs> so um, that's what he's been doing. And there's a fun climax where Tony's being chased by the killer. And it's also, I believe, Halloween or a Halloween party. So Jeff is also dressed in the same outfit as the killer, except for the mask. But he's wearing the same like hooded robe thing um, and the same axe weapon. So you're like, okay, is person chasing tony actually the killer or is it jeff or is it jeff the ki- you know you, at the time you're like not sure where the movie's gonna go but of course there is a moment where tony knocks down the person and it's jeff she knocks down jeff but then the killer appears because it wasn't him it was the president of, or the um not the president but the principal of the school so that's fun and of course in the end the principal gets slashed, his head gets slashed completely off, and it's at that point that the other students in the like close friend circle of these two appear suddenly, comedically, just to see a dead body with no head, a decapitated body. So I'm like, that's fun. And then I guess all is well. It you know, Jeff and Tony get to be together. Um, one thing I forgot to mention for more red herrings about Jeff is that he collects clippings of murdered co-eds. But once you figure out, it's because, you know, he was dating the principal's girl, uh, daughter, and when she died, he was really impacted, of course, and obsessed with wanting to find out more and hopefully finding out who the killer was. So that explains that away. Um, but I thought the movie was pretty fun. It's interesting that this movie actually does not have... Aside from when the head gets cut off, chopped off, there's not much gore actually to be found. Because when people get killed, when these women are getting killed, it's like you see the axe coming up and ready to come down. You see a shot of the woman screaming. And that's all you see. You don't actually see anything happen. And that is fine with me, actually. You know, I'm not a gore hound. I don't need gore. It comes off a bit cheesy, but it's not a bad thing in my view. Um, and I don't know why that is, why it was done that way, because I think in this era, in the 80s, it was all about gore a lot of the times. You know, they're like, we've got to push the envelope, we've got to show ridiculous kills. Not the case here. Um, it's not like the film had no money. It actually is filmed quite well, I thought. High-quality film, um, you know, people are, there's good locations it doesn't feel a little rent at all actually it feels quite nice um the acting is is pretty good as well so i don't know 
I don't feel that was a lack of money that they didn't do gore. They just chose not to for whatever reason. Maybe to get a lower rating or to show some way. I don't know. But I didn't mind. Just something to note as interesting. Um, the movie the, where I watched Rush Week was via the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray. And I think it was a recent release. So I think because I, I was like, I don't remember this movie <laughs> on my shelf. So I watched it. Um, the movie from Vinegar Syndrome is a Region A Blu-ray. Um, and of note, it's in 2K. And there is a commentary track where the Hysteria Continues. I haven't listened to that yet. But I do like the Hysteria Continues podcast. So I appreciate that. Though I do always sometimes get like, wouldn't it be nice to get a director's commentary or actor's commentary? But it's fine. It's fine. I love the story continues. That's fine with me. Um, and there are also two interviews. There's one interview with actor Dean Hamilton, who plays Jeff, the fraternity guy. And there's another interview with uh, Courtney Gebhardt, who is the is not the main girl, Tony. She is one of Tony's friends, her good friend, who's like a, you know, fun girl, but also a programmer. And so those are the extras on the uh, Blu-ray. I was a little disappointed that there was not a, you know, potential for having an interview with Tony's actress, uh, Pamela Ludwig. But, you know, maybe that's that's fine, I guess. Um, she hasn't done movies since... 1990 so I don't know maybe she's just not invested in or, in or interested in like revisiting that stuff um I did like that Courtney's interview um that she was kind of she was open to you know talking about the movie that it was one of her first films and it was fun and she that she enjoyed it and she was hap happy and thankful that she was able to be in this movie and then like you know proceed from there in her career so that was nice to hear. Um, all in all, not a bad package. You know, certainly not the most incredible Vinegar Syndrome release you could ever get, but it's not the worst either. Sometimes there's even less um, extra content than that. Sometimes there's more, though, like a couple of times there's been like full-on documentaries on a couple of releases, which is astonishing to me. But anyway, I thought Rush Week was not bad. Um... If you don't like movies without gore at all or boring, no kill, like no display of killing, then definitely not your movie. Uh, if you don't like a horror movie that's like also kind of a lot of romance, then probably also not worth it. Um, but I, I thought it was fun, you know, so I would personally recommend it as something if you're like, I've seen every movie, but you haven't seen Rush Week. Why not? You know, check it out. I I think it's worth, you know, the hour and a half watch. So that is my, you know, thoughts on Rush Week. So that's the end of this episode. And I wanted to briefly mention something here at the end. Because um, actually I, I've been doing some... I do writing on the side as well. Not about movies usually, but about video games. So I wrote an article recently about a new uh, modification to the PS2, which lets it become a region-free system. That is the PlayStation 2, yes. The 20-plus-year-old system. 
Um, but I recently wrote, like, wrote an article about how to enable that exploit. And um, as a result of doing that, I realized, you know, this might be beneficial to someone. This might have worth to somebody to have kind of helpful instructions. Because the PS2 modding scene, uh, the instructions are not always not always super clear. Um, or they expect people to have a lot of background knowledge, which not everyone does um, in that scene. So I wrote like an article about it. And as a result, I was like, you know, I'm going to make a way for people to be able to like, quote, tip me. And I thought I would mention it here in case anyone ever wants to throw like a buck or two my way. Because I don't want to start a Patreon. I don't want to put ads, you know, all that stuff. Not that I need to. Not that I need money. But I'm like, if someone values what I do and wants to contribute a dollar or something, then I'll let them. Um... So I put I set up a coffee or Kofi account, which is um, at ko-fi.com slash Marcus, spelled M-A-R-C-U-S. And so if for some reason you do feel, you know, giving in a giving mood, then you can do that to um, send me a dollar or something. Obviously, you do not have to, but if you wish to, I will not stop you. <laughs> So I just wanted to mention that at the end here in case anyone is interested. But again, no requirement to do so. Uh, but I appreciate even the thought. So that is the end of this episode of All of Them Witches. We'll be back in two weeks to do it all again.